Welcome to the Blur and Blend Marketing Podcast. Hear how marketing professionals worldwide are navigating in the blur of today's challenging consumer marketplace as they blend new age strategies and partnerships that create marketing success. Here's your host for the B&B, marketing professional and global educator, Trish Rubin. Hi, and welcome to Blur and Blend Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Trish Rubin, and the podcast is a great journey where I bring the guiding stories from my network, which I'm most proud of building. The people who are in it come from the big world of communication through marketing, branding, advertising, data analytics, law, just about any place you can look for a place to market and sell, my guests have been there. I take you on a journey with them. We get into a car and that guest is behind the wheel. Today, my guest that I'm putting behind the wheel, I know is going to take us for a fun ride. That's part of his brand personality. Jeff Lang, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Trish. So I know Jeff Lemmings because of uh, where do we meet people online. And the nice thing about meeting him was I responded to a comment that Jeff made about a post. And I was so struck by it. And it was a post from Sparks and Honey. Most people who are listening to me to this might know about Sparks and Honey. And I was so struck by just his insight. So I wound up reaching out. Jeff was really great to accept my connection. And it's led to a, a beginning of a great friendship. I guess it sounds like that old movie, Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the beginning of a great friendship with Jeff because he's already given me so much uh, insight. He's shared his uh, understanding of marketing with my classes. He's been very connected and mentoring people. It's just a wonderful, joyful connection that I always say to people, go online and reach out. You you never know who you're going to meet. So today with Jeff behind the wheel, what you're going to hear, I'll give you a little bit of background about him. What you're going to hear is, uh, is someone who is unlocking brand in a very interesting way through inspiration into ways that people can make what Jeff calls elegant leaps into their strategy, into meeting their goals. He's a brand strategist, and his work with brands has resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue because of the strength that he brings to his clients. But not just that. He brings a lot of passion. I knew that from the first time I talked to him. And wit, because he's a lot of fun to be with. Another thing I admire in my guests is that he balances both sides of his brain, not just a creative brand and marketing strategist, but analytically connects for his uh, clients. I think that's why he's so successful. And he's coming to us from a great place, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> and even though it's a lovely day in New York, I'm jealous. I would like to still hit the beach there. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jeff, uh, thank you for coming. My pleasure. 
I, you know that you're driving, you're going to get behind the wheel in this podcast. We're going to take a short journey. You're going to be behind the wheel. And I will ask Jeff, as I ask all my guests at the end of the session, to tell me their favorite color. And then I ask them, oh, is that the color of the car we've been driving in? And sometimes people tell me why that's their favorite color. And then they say, well, yeah, I would like it to be on that Corvette that we were driving in. So we're taking this lovely journey. And the first thing that we do when we get in a car is adjust the rearview mirror. So the journey will start with talking about what's behind us. You know, that 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 hindsight that comes in this conversation of what's been happening before we had our conversation. And then it'll come into the, the now. It'll come into the insights that come from watching the now and understanding what's going on. And then it'll lead to some foresight. What's coming next? So it's a short conversation, but I try to make it really reflective quickly in these times because people don't have much time of uh, something in marketing, communicating value for the listener. And they get it through that, you know, that hindsight and the insight and the foresight. So I'm giving you the keys to the car. Take the wheel, Jeff. We're going to get started on the, the journey. So I'm going to make sure that we I, I, I will try to be kind of a narrator of the journey, right? So, Jeff, you were really uh, very helpful to me in kind of identifying a map. And no one's really done that for me on the podcast, like giving me a, a map and said, you know, let's go in this direction. So I, I'm, I'm sitting here as your co-pilot and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, so, Jeff, like, we, we need to probably think about what's come before in the past and the experiences of the past and how they have been important for developing value in marketing. What's essential? So as we get through, you know, the, as we get into the journey, what's, what are these essential pieces of marketing that come from the past that, that you see behind you in the rear view? You betcha. Um, that's a great place to start, Trish. I hear you. Um, I've been doing this stuff for a long time and I talk to marketing leaders every day about this stuff. So I have kind of a constant, constantly updating data bank of real life in marketing and what's working and what isn't. And I've recently developed an insight myself about marketing, which is that being a successful marketer is kind of like being good at playing a video game. It's can be exhilarating. You can meet other people. You can expose <laughs> yourself to new worlds. But every now and again, maybe more often than you like, you end up at an obstacle. And it could be a chasm. It's a black hole. It's a pothole. It's a landmine. It's a monster. It's a challenge point. <laughs> and if you can make it through the challenge point, your marketing life continues. And you can only do that with what you mentioned, what I call the elegant leap. You've got to figure out how to navigate your way around the challenge. And some of those key challenges that have been popping up for years continue to pop up because they're the, they're the tricky parts of the, the, the video game where it's easy to get tripped up. So number one, starting with the information that you have, maybe it's research, maybe it's data, maybe it's analytics, 
treating that as a source of insight and forcing the people who give that to you to turn it into insight so that it means something. There was a great LinkedIn post today from the CMO of Gannett, Meyer Gupta, who is saying, hey, you guys, if you're not turning data into insight, you've got to stop in your tracks and figure it out. And I gave it two thumbs up because boy, is that true. So you've got a guy like him saying it's an issue. Trust me, it's an issue. So that that's an eternal challenge. There are ways around it. I know how to do that. That's why I have a job, but it's a <laughs> tough one. Second, thinking about emotion, mm. depending upon what business you're in, rational stuff might be super important. Maybe it's a price-driven business. Maybe it's all about features. It's really easy to get caught up in that and forget that if we successfully build an emotional connection with a target audience, they're going to love us. They're going to come back to us. They're going to want to pay more. They're going to tell their friends how much they love us, which actually we don't have to pay for. So that, that emotional thing is so important for driving successful marketing. It does require you to think about your audience as people and get underneath their skin a little bit and figure out what motivates them. What are their hopes? What are their fears? Critical stuff. Easy to do, but also easy to overlook. Third elegant leap opportunity is making sure that people understand what your brand is. And this is internally in your business. This is externally with your agency partners and having a great brand strategy that is crisp and clean and easy to understand and actionable. So everybody can pick it up and they can understand what they can do in their neck of the woods, whether it's creating a site experience or an ad or an in-store experience, whatever they're doing, they know how to bring that brand to life. So that enables the team to kind of figure it out. Were you going to make a point? Yeah, I was going to say to you, um, this is such, you're so clear in communicating it. And and in the past, do you, do you have offer a, a brand or two that, that has really done that, that you've worked with or that you admired? Sure, a, a lot. I'm I'm so fortunate to have worked with brands that 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 bought this and 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 lived it because they needed to. I had a client in the boat business, and they were focusing one of their brands on uh, families. The brand is Bayliner. It was the best selling American U.S. boat mm, brand, and it was for entry level boat buyers, people who don't know about boating, don't know how to buy a boat, don't know how to take care of a boat. So quickly, we realized that the essence of this brand really needed to be about simplicity and making it really easy for people to get into and enjoy a Bayliner. So what does that mean? That means this is a selling process that is not complicated. You don't feel like you're getting to run around. You know the price. You know what you're getting. You don't have to be a boat expert to know before you sign on the dotted line it's a good purchase. You just do it. The easy to enjoy part comes down to hey, you're using your boat with a family. What are families all about? Kids. What are kids all about? Emotion, Making a right? mess. Yes. <laughs> so the product is designed with materials on the seats, for example, that resist staining. The most stain-proof seat material available on earth is what goes into a bay liner, which <laughs> enables you as a proud boat owner to be able to use it with abandon. You're not worried about your kids getting into it and enjoying it. You just hose it down. So we help them understand that the, the boat brand Bayliner is all about attracting families and making it easy to get out on the water and enjoy it. They did it with marketing. They did it with the selling process. 
they did it with the product so that at every yes. touch point, the dad and the mom buying the boat are getting that message. We're making it really easy to buy that boat and begin a lifestyle of boat enjoyment. I love it. So it's, yeah, it's at the same time, you know, the short term and then looking beyond that into that, making that customer, your legacy customer, when they finally get hooked on your product. We love it Did when you, they get hooked. Yeah. So um, you have anything else from that, that kind of reflection before we well, the, move the forward? Final reflection point might seem small, but it's actually a big one. Coming off of the brand strategy point, critical if you're going to make successful communication to be really good at writing creative briefs. Creative briefs might seem like kind of a mundane throwaway detail that nobody wants to do. It's kind of a pain. It's just paper. Why should I spend time on this? The reason you should spend time on it is because those are the operating instructions for your creative team. And that's where you're telling them, here's what we need to do. Here's what we know about our audience. Here's how we can connect with the audience and motivate them. Here's the role that our brand plays in the audience's life. That's the, the manual that the creative team needs to do a great job, to do their best. Mm -hmm. It's also a source of inspiration for them to get excited and to be motivated to kind of plumb the depths of possibility. So if you do a good job with a creative strategy, you're definitely going to succeed. And your creative team is going to love you, which is also very important. Yeah. If you don't take it seriously, if you don't put rigor and thought into it, it's a dice roll. And I don't know a single marketer today who's willing to invest money in a dice roll. Uh, if, you can, if you can introduce certainty into that creative development process, sure. which is fueled by magic, if you can put some focus and inspiration into it, that'll up the odds of success. And then you won't be surprised. You'll be happy you spent the money. Well, I'm glad that that that's something that last offer really, you know, pulling it together and mentioning too that uh, you know it's so important that that the team, that the 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 people you're going to work with really believe and are excited to move forward so that they can be very successful working with this this endeavor with the client as well. Correct. Uh, and the, ex the excitement piece is huge. Not to cut you off, but but yeah. I when the team believes in the brand, loves the brand, channels that brand feeling into what they're doing, they're unstoppable. That is the single most important factor I've found in working with the creative team to create magic in marketing is for them to channel that customer and empathize with them. I think empathy is so important. Um, and yeah. you know, if you're not the customer yourself, you need a strong empathy gene and mm. the ability to kind of channel a mom with two kids who's been home with COVID for a year or yeah. a dad who lost his job, who needs to get a new 401k plan or whatever the person is. If you're not them, if you can pretend, if you can really empathize, get that in their gives shoes. Your leg up. Get in their get, shoes. Absolutely. Yeah, get in their shoes. And I love just the, mentioning the, the creative brief, especially people who are listening, who are young and starting out and looking for jobs and, or even people who are just new to marketing to understand that, well, what is that? You'll, they'll be Googling that one for sure. <laughs> Take it seriously. It is a yes. key, it's a key leverage point for your success. Trust me. So that's great. I know, as I said to you at the start of the podcast, listeners, that this, Jeff is just, I'm very comfortable. I'm very confident in this journey. Just what he's offered us in adjusting the rearview mirror 
has been wonderful. If we stop the journey even now, we'd be able to say we got something great out of the conversation. But we're not stopping the journey, so let's keep going. <laughs> we're we're now in midway, in mid-journey. We're looking at the moment, where we are, in the now, in this journey. So, Jeff, at this point, I'd like you to help us understand with the marketing framework in the now, uh, how do we look at what's going on? This is an important question post-COVID, if we're going to call it. What's going on today that's that's making a, a difference? Is it what we learned before that we're using today, or is it all new? Are we, you know, repositioning ourselves or repurposing ourselves? Are we pivoting? What's going on that right now that you can tell us about that that's going to make a difference in the way marketing moves forward? Absolutely. Great question, Trish. I think this is a fascinating time for all of us. And the, the world is coming alive again. And there's a lot of positive energy, I think, out there around, let's change things. Let's take a fresh approach. And it's interesting to see certain brands out there experimenting. So I like seeing that. It's wonderful. Um, I remember at the beginning of COVID, you probably do too, for at least three solid months, we were just having the commercials, which I called the sad piano commercials. Every single commercial had a sad piano. That that guy playing that piano or that woman, I hope they charged a lot of money because they worked really hard. So we've moved beyond that. I know. It was was amazing. So now we've moved out of that and the world is starting again, which is wonderful. Thank goodness. Um, I do think a lot of the classics apply. You got to know your audience. It's time to take a temperature check emotionally on people. And I think it's going to vary by person and by category. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep hearing a lot of interesting stuff about how employees are refusing to go back to work because the rules have changed and they don't want to go to work anymore. They don't want to be told what to do and where to be at nine o'clock. So certain things are changing. And if you're trying to market, you need to check in on people. Um, I think there is more positive energy in poll, polling data, which is terrific. But understanding the character of that optimism, is it bold and unfettered? Is it more cautious optimism? You need to talk to your audience to, to understand that. I think that's important. There are a number of interesting things happening in this moment, which have kind of grabbed my attention. And I'm interested in watching them unfold. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you guys to think about this stuff and pay attention to it. So one thing that I think is is kind of cool is with Black Lives Matter, with COVID, um, with Pride, we're in June, mm-hmm. there's been yeah. a radical shift in how consumers think about brands and what role those companies and brands play in the world. Beyond just offering me shampoo, a bar of chocolate, a rental car, it's about much more. And this is particularly true with younger folks, with Gen Z. Um, I did a a big exploratory project with um, members of that population about 18 months ago, and it was astounded to hear them talk about how invested they get in the brands, like personal care brands, for example. They want to understand what the brand is doing around social issues that are important to the audience, having nothing to do with what's in the shampoo, where you buy it, what it costs, what's the promotion this week. It's all about, are you trying to limit slave labor, growing cocoa beans? 
And are you trying to advance liberal political agendas or conservative, whatever your leaning is? So brands now have to master potentially a much broader territory. And if you ignore that, there, there are lots of casualties on the road of brands that got into trouble ignoring that or just assuming people weren't paying attention or like um, what favorite example, Goya, mm-hmm. not political, but mm-hmm. there was a tremendous pushback when Goya's leader took a political position that was counter to what a lot of his audience felt. Yes. I thought that was a bold move. I don't know how thoughtful he was about that. Only he knows. But but that created waves and that rapidly can become a brand problem. So you can you can impact negatively the impression of your brand if you make a misstep. Flip side is also there too. I think there are many, many brands that have discovered a magic formula in mastering what their audience cares about and aligning themselves beautifully with that and supporting causes like Me Too or LGBTQ or voting rights, Black Lives Matter. There's a long, long list. Um, But I think the smart brands are the ones that are aware that consumers are complicated today. The relationship between a consumer and a brand has changed probably forever. Consumers no longer limit the relationship to the product that's on the shelf. Instead, they're thinking about the economic entity behind the product and how that generates profit and power and how that power can be used for good or for evil. And when I or you Mm -hmm. am buying a tube of toothpaste, part of what we're doing is putting money into the power machine that then someone else can decide how they want to use. So I think people are realizing that they have a voice beyond just the supermarket Mm. expecting brands to respond. So I think it's, it's much more exciting to be a brand communicator now because the territory is wide open. You're not limited to the personal care aisle. You can talk about lifestyle stuff. Flip side, you got to be careful. You don't want to get into hot water. You don't want to overstep your bounds. Um, I think this is an area where insight work is critical because you need to understand how far you can stretch that rubber band before it breaks and snaps and burns you. Consumers don't want everyone to go super far. Maybe they want some brands to go out to here and some to go (laughs) all the way. It varies. If you understand that, you can use it to your advantage. If you don't, or even worse, if you ignore all this, you're going to get into trouble. So I think that's, it's so exciting to be in marketing now because the rules are kind oh, of being rewritten. It's I love wonderful. it. I love it. And it's, and it's I'm just in your voice. People can hear that energy and the excitement. And yes, it's fun. At the same time, as you point out, you know, you have to be very careful. You have to kind of know how far you can go. Back to your point about knowing the audience earlier. Back to your point about especially the segments that you have, like with Gen Z, what world will they want out of the brand as opposed to maybe, you know, um, a baby boomer? I just, it's so interesting. And that's what makes it uh, challenging, but exciting at the same time. I have and, another quick example. Yeah. Please. Just before COVID, I worked on a global positioning study for a very, very big technology brand. And we were interested in understanding the role that this brand can play in a consumer's life. And we went in with a bunch of ideas thinking, oh, we could say the company is this, we could say the company is that. And a lot of the ideas were were kind of about, you know, 
we will let you do this. So classic enablement marketing, like we make a thing, you can do this with it. It's been working for years. (laughs) People stopped us in our tracks and they said, are you kidding me? Basically, you're you're reminding us that you have all the power here because you're the big tech brands and you're deciding to give us a tiny bit of power. So you're basically rubbing our nose in the fact that you have all the power. And people, I was astounded and I read this stuff and I'm like, you know, they're kind of right. Mm. So I'm really glad we did that work because it was a, a real heads up about the changing nature of relationships that consumers have with brands. Mm-hmm. And in the tech space, if you think about privacy and targeting and cookies and, you know, I could yeah. speak for 10 more minutes about those examples yeah. of things that are in our face every day, well, every day. That, that sort of remind you Technology is our friend, but you know what? They know who you are. They can target you. You could lose your identity. Like it's 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 a double edged sword that's it very is. very sharp. Uh, Th- that for me was just a great reminder that that you need to be thoughtful about the relationship that consumers perceive and want to have with you, and don't be just assuming that you're talking down to them. I had a boss once who who always made us think about verbs, voice, and values for brands and the voice thing is like, what's your perspective? Are you, are you talking to a colleague? Like I am to you. Mm-hmm. Are you talking down to someone? Like you're telling them what to do. Are you talking up to them? Like they're in charge. Mastering that relationship has never been more crucial because yes. a lot of these power dynamics in society are shifting. Mm-hmm. And I think companies that assume they still have all the power need to reexamine that thought because rubbing people's, faces in that yes could could be a problem so just yeah, you got to watch out and especially post covid because so many of the uh, all of the relationships that were there have been shifting too so I, I, this is such great information and i i really love like so much of what you've been saying again well, we could go for hours on this and i i'll have to have <laughs> you back definitely um so as we continue uh, we're really going to look ahead and almost close the journey out by imagining that we're, you know, at a certain mile marker, but we want to look ahead, not too far ahead, because we all know today in marketing, as you pointed out, like things changing so fast. What would you want to say about where marketing is heading and um, your your passion and your uh, in where that direction is and the excitement that I know you're going to bring to this. So if we look a little bit farther down the road, what what do we know that marketers will be trying to do to keep the attention of customers who have been challenged or, and who've changed their minds so often? What do you think is going to happen for marketing next post-COVID? Well, the advice I'm giving my clients um, is what I'm hearing consumers say that they need, which is this is an opportunity to truly reimagine what marketing can do. And I started working in digital in 2000, so 21 years ago. And a big thing that we talked about in those days, which I think is hyper true now, is marketing isn't just push messaging. It's not just saying, here's the product, here's the price, here's the promotion, here's where to buy it. Marketing, if you think about it, and you think about it through the 
the lens of today's channels, which are interactive and customizable and all that great stuff. Marketing can be a service and it can help people buy stuff and it can help people get involved with stuff. I was the judge for the Addies uh, competition this year. And I was so impressed by some ideas that weren't about messages. They were about enablement. And one of them was targeting people who are older and it enabled older people to create radio stations that they could DJ on with all their favorite songs from the past. (laughs) So it was, there were no messages. It was a a DJ starter kit available online that was brought to you by a brand. But I thought, so you're laughing because I think you get it. I get it. It almost made me cry. It was so beautiful because it wasn't about buy this. It was about understanding something that would delight the audience and aligning the brands with delivering that. And it worked beautifully and they won an award because it was so smart. I think another maybe more tactical example of that is, and this goes back to our friends in Gen Z, they like to get involved. They want to know what brands are doing. They want to know what the UN is doing. They want to know what Congress is doing. They want to get involved and impact that. Great opportunity for brands. There is unlimited opportunity for brands to surface relevant information, maybe curate it and edit it, Mm -hmm. maybe enable kids to vote. Here's how to sign up to vote. Here's how to communicate with your congressmen. Yeah. So that's not messaging. That's enablement. That's empowerment. Yeah. And that gives a target audience member something they really want. They don't really want your message. I hate to tell you this, but <laughs> that's that's not what they want. I think entertainment is another great area. And you know, with the explosion of YouTube and all the streaming and video oh, streaming, crazy. it's yeah. great. And the appetite for video is tremendous. And that's wonderful. It's such a great opportunity for brands. And I think they're again creating things that people want to see is great rather than looking at it as an opportunity yet another opportunity to push your message. So people, it's never been harder to get people's attention that I say every year, that's never going to change. So every single day we have to work harder and harder and harder to earn attention. And in England, advertising is perceived as pop culture. And if it's not entertaining, they don't let you show it here. We allow stuff like the pillow guy to go on the air (laughs) because this is a different country and that's fine. But It's wise, I believe, to always be thinking about earning attention. And that creates amazing opportunities for brands. I mean, entertainment tells stories. Entertainment conveys emotion. Entertainment gets people excited. And that's pure gold. So I think looking on, you know, and then we have new channels like Clubhouse, which I know you love. And it's easy to get distracted by bright, shiny (laughs) objects. So I think, and and I, I I was one of the, the instigators at the front end of, of the social revolution of social media. So I, I remember the bright, shiny objects and we decided to take a kind of a basic approach and understand what people want out of it. How can a brand delight a consumer using social products? And if you take that approach to things like clubhouse or TikTok, um, you're going to come up with the right stuff. And if, if instead you get distracted and go off strategy, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. 
So just, I think my, my instruction for everybody is just know that audience. Let your audience inspire you. Don't think just about messaging. Think about marketing as a service. Um, deliver it beyond message to the product, to the purchase experience, to creating a, uh, a user group of people who all love this brand. Make it across the life cycle. Those things are always going to serve you well. I love how you, at the end of this journey, pull it together, going back through what you talked to us very early on about the essentials and all of those pieces and what you just said are really part of that. And uh, it's it's amazing when I when I meet students and we kind of start, you have to reference, of course, let's go to the the last century and, and look still at four Ps, but understand that, okay, just we've got that to work with. How does that fit into the mindset of today. And um, I always feel like the fifth P when you see it out there is people that that's what really opens up the conversation, especially digital, your background in digital so much on this podcast for my students. And I love when I share it with people who are starting brands or entrepreneurial, everything you've given us has just been super. And I I thank you for that. Uh, as I close the podcast, I always ask my guest, have given us great guiding story today, Jeff. So I ask you about your favorite color and then imagine the car we were driving in. So can you give us a, a little bit of visual here, even though we're, we're not seeing you? Of course. Um, this was an easy one for me. I'm a, I'm a very visual person. I'm an art collector um, I'm, I'm a visual communicator and learner. So you would think maybe I would say something like neon yellow, but my favorite color actually is navy blue. And I'll tell you why. Mm. It is a proven classic. It looks good with everything. Um, you can put brand new things with it and they pop. You can put traditional things like gray with it and it still looks great. It's super practical. It's wonderful for traveling. It's probably not going to show wrinkles. So the practical side of me lands on navy, but I do bring it in with other colors as well. So I just I think it's functional. I think it looks great. It's classic. It's crisp. Looks good with white. It's blue jeans. I mean, how can you not love navy? Navy. So. I must tell you, the first guest I've had that's identified that. So again, people... Jeff's just totally unique. <laughs> he's totally <laughs> unique. And uh, even the way he's describing his his uh, his navy color, you, you just can feel the, the joy that he gets from thinking about sharing meaning. Because that's sort of what you were talking about earlier. You know, it's not the just messaging to people, but making meaning. And I thank you for em- the empathy, the emotion, and all those pieces that you thread through this conversation. That's why I'm, I really thank God and LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, me too. I, would, I would not have met you without that power. And I'm looking forward to working with you and continuing to. I think what we have is that we both complement each other. When we talk to each other, we give each other ideas. We benefit from each other. So that collaboration and that engagement, I'm looking forward to again and again. So thank you so much. Thank you, Trish. I will put in show notes where to find you. Do you want to give some of, just give us some of your markers so uh, we'll be able to, you'll probably be bombarded as you were before with LinkedIn requests from (laughs) That's fine. I think the easiest place to reach me is on LinkedIn. 
And just my name, Jeff, J-E-F-F Flemings, F-L-E-M-I-N-G-S. You should be able to find me and I'd love to connect. Yeah. And I, I would echo that he, that Jeff is very genuine in that way. Um, when I think about my students, um, Ben and Clara and how wonderful you were with them, uh, just it's, it, it uh, I have also reached out to, uh, through Baruch to involve Jeff in our executive mentoring program. You can hear what a wonderful guide he would be for anybody, even to have a half hour conversation with, or if you got lucky to know him for a year as a mentor. <laughs> so I'll do my EOC commercial here as well. <laughs> Happy so, to help. Uh, thank you so much. And I appreciate you being with me and Gosh, it was a great ride today, and it we fun. took it. And uh, if the sun is shining, and I'm ready to just enjoy it. And you brought a lot of uh, meaning and and a lot of light. Thanks so My much. My pleasure. Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you, Trish. And thank you all for enjoying this conversation. Reach out to Jeff. You won't be sorry. Have a good day, all. <laughs>